0: Good morning everybody and welcome. For the last couple of weeks we've been hearing about the baby Jesus, isn't that right, and uh, different facets of, of his birth and his early life. Well today we we, we, skip, we skip 30 years and that seems to happen in all our lives, doesn't it? It happens, you know, you look back and where did the last 30 years go to? Anyway, today we encounter Jesus at the age of 30, and we find him in Judea, and he meets up with John, John the Baptist. John is uh, baptizing people, and Jesus walks up to him and says, I want to be baptized too. Well, there's really no major reason why Jesus should be baptized, because he hasn't, done any, he hasn't committed any sin in his life. Isn't that right? But Jesus, obviously, and he's very concerned to identify himself with humanity, to be in in solidarity with the people of his own time. So we're told that he submitted himself to baptism, and uh, as he came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came upon him, um, and a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then it's as if the Holy Spirit sort of sent him out, ushered him out. And from that time onwards, he gets involved in his ministry of healing, uh, ministry of forgiveness, and his ministry of the Word. So as we think about Jesus and his baptism this morning, it's also, I think, appropriate that we spend a a little bit of time thinking about our own baptism and its implications as far as our individual lives are concerned. And I'd like to do it through the, through the lens of our own baptismal font. You know, you know, I look around the room here, people are here from everywhere, you've been baptized in a variety of different places, and what you find is in almost any, any church you go into, the baptismal font can be somewhere in the church, okay, it varies from church to church. Also the size of the baptismal font can vary from church to church. Anyway, six years ago, when we built on the foyer, the nar- narthex of the church, we had the opportunity to put the baptismal font there. And uh, personally, I feel very proud of our baptismal font. I think it's, it sort of speaks what a baptismal font should be. First of all, the re- I say that for several reasons. One is because it's close, very close to the front door of the church. And that's not by accident, it's by design. Because baptism is, it's sort of like the foundational sacrament. Baptism is your entry point into relationship with Christ and also with his church. Secondly, you know yourselves that the baptismal font is is large, and again, that's for a reason, okay? Uh, Someplace you go and you just have a tiny little baptismal font. The reason why it's large is because baptism is such a huge event in our lives. Even though we do it once, it has repercussions for our whole lifespan. So we're sort of, we're living out of our baptismal commitment for the rest of our lives. So it's a big deal, our baptism is a huge big deal. And hopefully the the, the size of the font will remind us of that. Thirdly, we have a nice stream of flowing water. And as you know yourselves, water, uh, it's it's a symbol of, it's a twofold symbol, it's a symbol of many things, but two in particular. It's it's a symbol of cleansing, number one, and number two, it's, it's it's a symbol of new life. So when an adult presents himself or herself for baptism, as soon as you enter the water, you're touched by the water, you're cleansed and also you're given new life, in other words, because of what Jesus Christ has done in our behalf, in and through the baptismal waters, you become a new person in Jesus Christ, a, what we call a transformed individual. You become a Christian. You become a member of the church. So it's all kinds of ramifications. And also as you've been baptized, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And as the Spirit comes upon you, as it did on Jesus, in a sense, it's, he's there to, in a sense, to anoint us, but also to send us out in the world, to make a difference in the world in which we live. We think of the difference that Jesus made in his time, and we think about each and every one of us, what difference am I making in the world? And I suppose, you know, as baptized Catholics, we refer to that as, as ministry. And prior to the, to, the, to the pandemic here, with a huge amount of people in, in, involved in different kinds of ministries, things are a little bit more subdued at this point in time for obvious reasons. But hopefully we'll get back to a, a more robust ministry in, in times to come. But the bottom line is, you know, when you think of the ministries, you're all very familiar with it, like the ministries that are exercised here in the church. Or out there in the world, it can be visiting the city, it can be visiting hospitals and nursing homes, it can be working with the homeless, etc., etc., etc. The important thing is when you're involved in the ministry, it's important to keep in mind that you're not doing it just to make the Father feel happy, okay? You're not doing it for the priest. Rather, you're doing it, it's an expression. It is meant to be an expression of your belief that you are a baptized person and that you're in the world in order to make a difference. But there is one ministry that somehow, as Catholics, we tend to, in a sense, we tend to shy away from it uh, for a variety of reasons. But the ministry I'm referring to is, I suppose, we'd call it evangelization, sharing the word, sharing the word and the message of Jesus Christ with others. Somehow I think as Catholics we're not good at that. Somehow as Catholics I think we're of the opinion, I don't know enough or I'm afraid the other person knows more than I do or somehow that's not my job. It's, it's, it's the job of, of the professionals. It's not, it's not my job as such. So there can be a variety of different reasons why we sort of stay away from the whole question of evangelization. I think it's interesting to hear what, uh, this little document here is called The Joy of the Gospel. And this was the first, first encyclical uh, written by Saint Francis after, after or it's not Saint Francis, Pope Francis after he became, after he became Pope. Uh, and he writes very well. But this is just one small snippet of what he says about about baptism and, and ministry. He says the following, he says, in virtue of their baptism, all members of the people of God have become missionary disciples. All the baptized, whatever their position in the church or their level of instruction in the faith, are agents of evangelization. And it would be insufficient to envisage a plan of evangelization to be carried out by the professionals, while the rest of the faithful would simply be passive recipients. The new evangelization calls for personal involvement on the part of each of the baptized. Every Christian is challenged, here and now, to be actively engaged in evangelization. Indeed, anyone who has truly experienced God's saving love does not need much time or lengthy training to go out and proclaim that love. Every Christian is a missionary to the extent that he or she has encountered the love of God in Christ Jesus. We no longer say we are disciples, rather we are are missionaries, rather we are missionary disciples. That's That's a beautiful statement, and it's a reminder to us of what we should all be doing. I know we shy away from it, and so often we sort of feel we're inadequate for the task. But just always keep in mind that, you know, that our baptism, the the grace of our baptism stays with us throughout the entire spectrum of our lives. Consequently, consequently, any word or any message which you present to others in the name of Christ, you can be quite sure that God's Spirit is with you in the process, and furthermore, that you will find, you will be rewarded for it. So this is truly a blessed opportunity for all of us. So as as, uh, Saint uh, Saint Pope uh, John Paul II said on so many occasions, do not be afraid. Know that the Lord is with you, and that you can accomplish great things in His name.